Attention bourbon lovers, are you ready for a taste sensation like no other? Old Raleigh Distillery, recently awarded Best Micro Distillery in the U.S., invites you to experience the art of whiskey blending firsthand. Located just east of Raleigh in downtown Zebulon, the distillery specializes in premium, micro-batch bourbon, and limited-release whiskeys. Visit the tasting room Tuesday through Sunday to savor a wide variety of whiskeys, specialty cocktails, wine, and beer. And don't miss a chance to peek behind the curtain with a tour of the blending operation every Saturday and Sunday at 1 and 2 p.m. For more information and to plan your visit, visit OldRaleighDistillery.com. Follow on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Old Raleigh Distillery for exclusive updates and behind-the-scenes content. Old Raleigh Distillery, where every sip tells a story. There's such depth of character in those locally owned places. That's what I love about them. So he wants that nostalgia of a tried and true spot, but also, you know, the appeal of a steakhouse. We all have our favorites. And so if you're Mm -hmm. gonna eat steak, you're gonna go to the place, you know, you might've always gone to. I would dare say it's time to, to mix it up. You're listening to Office Talk with Raleigh Magazine. I'm your host, Gina Stevens. You may know Raleigh Magazine, but what you may not know is how we get our stories. It's all inside baseball. You'd be surprised what people will tell us. Our MO is telling stories no one else is telling. So this podcast is where you get the inside access to stories you won't read anywhere else. So let's dive into some of Raleigh Magazine's biggest stories. You may or may not know that a locally owned steakhouse hasn't opened in Raleigh since Reagan was president. That takes a minute to sink in. There are only three locally owned steakhouses in town, each unique, very different, and most have been open for a very long time. With me today to get the meat on the matter is Editor-in-Chief Melissa Hausam. Melissa, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited to dig into the juicy content. And she's full of puns, folks. <laughs> this is going to get ugly, I promise. Or bloody, as they say. Look at you yes. go. <laughs> if you know me, you might know a little secret. I don't eat red meat. I might have a half a burger once every five years. Not for some big political reason, just not my thing. But if you know me or read Raleigh Magazine and listen to the podcast, you also know I'm a huge fan of the restaurant experience and service. And I'm fascinated by the concept of a steakhouse. We've taken a deep dive into the steak scene and have a first look at a big name local steakhouse that's in the works. Well, before we get any further and start teasing that, let's jump back to the cover star. Have y'all seen that juicy cover star. It's going to make me hungry just looking at it. We have it here in front of us. I can't wait for this place to open. So it's this is a steak and potato, if you haven't seen the cover yet, on a plate. Um, succulent. I mean, it's, it looks amazing. And my favorite thing about this now that it's out is that everybody is shocked that it came from a diner. Okay, so we're working on steaks. We're working on the steak feature. We've had it planned for months. We've been talking and batting it back and forth, trying to figure out how we were going to tell this story to make everybody care. And 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 really, it is very interesting, When and, and we'll share all that with you. But when it came time to do the cover, it's like, okay, what are we going to do? Well, if you haven't heard, and that means you haven't listened to the podcast— Rainbow Luncheonette is officially open as of this morning at 7 a.m. on Northwest Street. It is that. It's a luncheonette counter open for breakfast um, and lunch from 7 to 3. However, 
on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, starting not this week, but next week, they will have nothing on the menu but a steak, a baked potato, and a salad. For dinner. For dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So you can, and and it's it's a $30 dinner with a half a bottle of wine that you split. So it is it is a real deal. And, and I don't, as I said, I don't eat red meat, but I did take a tiny little bite of this steak when I... I actually cut the steak. That's me. My culinary work. Yeah, we didn't hire you. we didn't hire some fancy stylist. I actually cut the steak. You're the cover stylist now. Yes. <laughs> um, well, this isn't just any old cut of beef, too. No. I mean, you did no, a no. fabulous cut, obviously. Yeah. But this is Brass Town Beef in Western North Carolina. And so Jason Howard, who is behind Rainbow Luncheonette, is really proud of that because the guy who is with that is also a graduate of NC State. So there's a local connection there who's really happy about that rally connection. And, you know, you mentioned it's roughly $30 for this steak, baked potato, salad, wine situation. But it's really important to mention that this is not cheap meat. This oh, is God, phenomenal no. meat. No, no. But if you know Jason Howard, of course, you know that this is going to still somehow be wildly affordable despite the fact that it is Brasstown beef. Um, and he said, and I quote, I don't necessarily like paying 65 or 70 bucks for a steak. I want things to be simple and fun and cool, which is what all of his concepts are. All of his concepts. But I have to tell you, so we knew we wanted to put it on the cover, but um, I have learned my lesson. You do not tell a bar or a restaurant that you're going to even consider them for the cover because what will <laughs> happen? The photos will go terrible. It's a curse. Is it's a it is. curse. And every time I open my big mouth, which I will not ever do, because Liz will tell you that I've ruined two covers this way and made people mad. Um, God loves Samad. I'm not sure why he still loves me, but um, <laughs> nightmare story for another day. But we we went there. This is actually, don't get grossed out. This is the floor. This green and yellow that's behind the plate is the floor in yeah. its rainbow part floor. Rainbow. Part of what the rainbow luncheonette is, the floor is rainbow. But I watched him cook this, and Jason really did this. They baked the potato, but the coolest part, I learned something. I, I mean, I know most people know this, but I'm not some foodie. So he then takes the baked potato, wraps it in flour, and drops it in the deep fire. Oh, my God, did oh. that potato smell so good. I bet it did. And I— Well, I did. and you love French fries, so oh, I bet God. that was sort of like a sensory sensation. Absolutely. And you have to say the other part that's really exciting about this for you, I think it's exciting for everybody, but I think you know more about it given where you grew up and everything. The steak nights are inspired by the Beefmaster Inn. Yes. So talk about that. So if you've never been to the Beefmaster in Wilson, it's a— I think it has like 13 or 14 seats in a tiny little restaurant— it opens its doors at 5 o'clock. People are in the parking lot tailgating at 3.30 to be the first in. That's amazing. And <laughs> and literally, there's nothing on the menu but a steak, a baked potato, and a salad. And they have that sort of lazy Susan of Tupperware bowls that they put on the table yeah. so you make your own salad. It was my one of my dad's favorite places to go. And Jason knows this spot, and it helped inspire what he's doing there. So I thought, what better way— of a brand new spot that's open. And, you know, anybody can do a Thanksgiving cover. Why not do something that's really juicy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. He said when we talked to him that the Beefmaster actually served as inspiration for him to get into business altogether. And there's, like, connections between that. If you go to the Cardinal, you'll see a resemblance. And so I think that kind of brings it well, full circle. He just, like, simple things. Well, do one thing and do it really well. Right. And he does a hot dog and he does it really well. He does a taco. He does it really well. Yeah. Now, I will say I have been, I got the special invite to try out uh, Rainbow Luncheonette last week. And I had, th I'm going to say 
it may very well be the best chicken sandwich in Raleigh. Oh, them are fighting words. When I go in there, I'm not not dissing on anybody else, but I am telling you. And the French fries, yeah, I didn't eat for two days after that. But that fried chicken sandwich and French fries sitting at Rainbow Luncheonette's lunch counter was really good. Liz had the BLT with pimento cheese. I have to say, this nobody else will maybe get the significance of this but us, but I'm going to explain it. Every time we close an issue, it's a lot. You know, going to the printer is a lot. That last 48 to 72 hours is... It's like being on a 24-hour shift at a hospital or something, except you're not saving lives. Um, maybe just our own. Yeah. Either way, when we go to the printer, we are ready to just kick our feet up, do something fun, cool, or sleep. And so we're about to go back to the printer for the December issue in a week or two, and we are going to go to Rainbow Luncheonette. Yes. We're going to stuff ourselves, and then we're going to go to Because they're Boot. open until 3. Right. And then we're going to go to Pink Boot. My <laughs> only thing is, I told him, if, if Rainbow—they're next door to each other, folks. So if Rainbow Luncheonette could just stay open long enough for Pink Boot to open— Oh, wait. Yeah, that's a problem. We need to figure this out. They're a winning combination. <laughs> there needs to be something to do for that two hours in there. Oh, yeah. Well, so, we, we'll hopefully Jason's we'll listening. We'll figure that out. Yeah. But the other thing is, you mentioned the Lazy Susan— so that's a perfect segue. Those are straight 80s vibes. When you oh. mentioned Lazy Susans, I'm just in the 80s. So you said at the top that we haven't had a locally owned steakhouse open since Reagan was president, which incidentally was in the 80s. So, folks, that's 40 years. Good Four, God, is that and right? when you start, yeah, be right. <laughs> when you start thinking about steakhouses and and locally owned. Now, we understand a lot of steakhouses have opened in Raleigh. But for the, for the purpose of right now, we're talking about locally owned. There really are only three. It's crazy. And it and as we did some research and really started to think about this and look into it, I mean, I guess it makes sense that, I mean, steak is more complicated to cook than you, you know, firing up the grill in the backyard and throwing mm-hmm. it on. You expect something different than what you cook yourself and what you get in a restaurant. It's an expensive piece of meat. If it's overcooked or undercooked, undercooked you can fix, overcooked you're screwed. You've wasted the piece of meat. Right. And so I think it is, and people expect this elevated experience. If they're paying the prices that go with steak, typically it comes with white tablecloth. It comes with mm-hmm. an elevated, you know, so you've got to get why there. Not everybody wants to jump into the deep end with that. Yeah. And the person handling it, to your point, is handling hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a night. Um, like you said, these are really expensive. And I think... You know, ultimately, as it turns out, these steakhouses, these locally owned steakhouses are pretty rare, but it also all plays into the nostalgia and the Americana of it all. So just a little backstory, you know, steakhouses actually started in New York in the mid-1800s, and they were called chop houses. And really, the quintessence of it or the distinguishing factor of it was these cuts, these quality cuts of meat. That's what deciphered them as chop houses and of course, at that time, they were geared mostly toward men and upper class. But we see that play like out a lot in the way we see them in pop culture, you know, like in I'm trying to think Goodfellas, Goodfellas right. and things like that is, you know, very masculine, very meaty. And so I just think it's really interesting that that persona has evolved over time, obviously. But that original aesthetic of leather seating, dark wood, like very masculine it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed, right? I mean, it really hasn't. And we'll talk about some of the other dirty word chain restaurants <laughs> that are here and how they're different a little later. But so the other big piece of news besides um, Rainbow Luncheonette opening is uh, Chef 
Scott Crawford spent some time with us and told, gave us insight into Crawford Brothers Steakhouse, which will be opening in Fenton. It's been announced, for, it feels like forever. The building is actually done. When you arrive and park at Fenton, his big likeness is all down the side of the building, building excitement for it. And I mean, at first I was kind of surprised that Scott was going to jump into Steakhouse. And then after we talked to him, it kind of made sense. Because if you think about his restaurants, you know, his quote was, I've always thought it was a concept we would do very well, our interpretation of a classic concept. We've done that so far. If you think about it, if you look at Jolie, it's an interpretation of a classic Parisian bistro, Crawford and Cook Shop, a modern interpretation of a neighborhood grill. So it's really his interpretation of the steakhouse. And none of his restaurants really allow for big groups or, or and when I say big groups, I mean big parties to, to, you know, eight or 10 people at a table. You can't do that at Crawford and Son or at Jolie. You have to rent out the restaurant. Yeah. So th- this is going to open up a different world to him. Yeah, I think that really is the impetus and the jumping off point of like why steak? I mean, that to me is the answer to that question, right? He's done all these other concepts really well. They're boutique in size. Um, they're very, they're also, you know, very New York, at least in my opinion. And they give you that sense. But with this, you know, steaks have this celebratory, steak houses have this celebratory feel. That's interesting that that's what he's playing on, that he wants a space big enough to have these kind of celebrations and bigger groups. And he's also playing into that nostalgia of, you know, dining in a steakhouse in general. He said, and I quote, there's such depth of character in those locally owned places. That's what I love about them. So he wants that nostalgia of a tried and true spot, but also, you know, the appeal of a steakhouse. Um, and he intends to honor the traditions of a steakhouse, you know, the a la carte steaks, for example. Um, but of course, it's Crawford. So he's going to implement some creativity and a modern interpretation. And he gave us a couple teases like Wagyu steak, which I'm very excited about, chef driven sides, an elevated cocktail program, of course. And we actually chatted about this at the restaurant's party. He mentioned wanting to create some kind of a membership club at Crawford Brothers Steakhouse. So sort of think, um, do we understood it, like a secret room for members to host private dinners, which is pretty exciting. Well, I think it's also, he might be able to get a cut of beef that's different or try something different. And the, mm-hmm. these, these members would get first access to that. Yeah, yeah. I think there's an exclusivity to that. You know, he basically just said there's a good place for all steakhouses. Um, which is obviously very inclusive and very Scott, but that people will realize that his it will stand out in his own mm-hmm. persona, in his own way. And so I think it's time to to bring something new to this scene. You know, the, the other three that have existed for so long so successfully aren't going anywhere, but it would be fun to disrupt the scene a little bit and have someone new join in. We were all a little surprised that the sign, like when I said his likeness is on the building, folks, he's bigger than life <laughs> out there. And But the date changed from 2023 to 2024, and I've had more people say, so what's the deal? And I, my understanding, I have no way of knowing this is completely the entire story. I think there's probably two reasons. One is where he is located directly across from Dram and Draft in what is – a beautiful building, but there's dirt beside him because there's a hotel going up. Right. And he doesn't want to be opening a high-end, fine dining, wonderful, <laughs> brand new place with a porta john and <laughs> trash <laughs> dumpsters <laughs> next by. I can kind of get that. I'm not sure that that would be the atmosphere you want to roll up and do yeah. valet and hop out and see a porta john. It's not very bougie. <laughs> a local icon since 1949 and where Raleigh comes to celebrate, savor, and enjoy. 
Village District is celebrating 75 years of tradition and taste. You can join the celebration for their 75th anniversary on Saturday, April 20th from 3 to 8 p.m. on Woodburn Road. Enjoy live music, pop-ups, a kid-friendly area, and the launch of their Village 75 beer, exclusively brewed by Standard Beer and Food. For more event details and other Village District happenings, you can follow Village District on Instagram at Shop Village District, visit their website at shopvillagedistrict.com, or sign up to receive texts by texting the word VILLAGE to 919-701-0202. No, no. So, um, but there's also another reason we think he might be hesitating to, not hesitating, but um, pushing it to 2024. So we have pretty big scoop coming in the December issue of another project that he uh, is working on. And as of right now, all signs point to us being able to reveal that in a couple weeks in the December issue. And that looks to open in front of Crawford Brothers Steakhouse. So, you know, we're just putting two and two together here. (laughs) And that one might... Our beautiful listeners is in Raleigh. Exactly. Yes. So we love Fenton. We love Fenton, but we love Raleigh. Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. That's why we're Raleigh Magazine. Exactly. So going back and talking about, we did uh, some homework on the three that have been here for the long time. So let's tell you about them because you may not have tried them because what we're finding is we all have our favorites. And so if mm-hmm. you're going to eat steak, you're going to go to the place, you know, you might have always gone to. I would dare say it's time to to mix it up. Yeah. And, I mean, especially after seeing these places, eating and trying them. Um, the Peddler opened in 1969. It's located on Glenwood Avenue. Um, it's an Oak Park shopping center. So you're going west past Crabtree, up the hill. It's on your left. Near Pleasant Valley, yeah. Dos Taquitos. Exactly. And it is family owned and has been since it opened. Um, it's kind of a saloon-style restaurant, wooden walls, carpeted dining room, dim lighting, jazz music playing, and it has what I absolutely love, a traditional salad bar. Gotta love that. Yeah, I feel like that's the one where I do picture that sort of Goodfellas vibe. We talked about this. Like, you almost can still picture, like, smoke swirling in the air, like, very— Yeah, there are two of those that I feel like has that for sure. The other one— Well, right. So, Vinny's is the other one. So, Vinny's is opened almost 20 years later in 1987. That's very Al Pacino vibes there. Wooden walls, white tablecloths, green leather. There's a wine cellar in the middle of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so traditional in my mind. Um, There's also a separate tavern menu for the bar, which feels like very much like a neighborhood hangout. And this one is um, on Six Forks near or adjacent to Celebration Six Forks. Celebration Station. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Across from that. And then, of course, the other obvious one that we'd get lots of hate mail if we didn't mention, <laughs> which is legendary, is Angus Barn. Um, Angus Barn opened in 1960, Thad Year Jr. and Charles Winston. Mm-hmm. And when Thad passed away in 1988, his wife Alice and his daughter Van, and Van runs it now, took over. Um, I mean, when you say these next two things, I think whoever you are, wherever you are, you sit up. It's one of the nation's 50 highest gross, grossing independent restaurants. Wow. I mean, I mean in the country. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty, and it's consistently ranked as one of the 100 best restaurants in the United States. And one of Raleigh Magazine's top 25 restaurants. Which, of course, Hello. beats both of those things. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, for the grossing part, I mean, this is going to, I mean, they're booked through the year already. Oh, God. So, 
Yeah. And and <laughs> ask Melissa. <laughs> Melissa got the wild hair that she was going to take her family to thank for Thanksgiving at Angus Barn. I'm so mad. And she decided last week. Um, we can all collectively laugh. We're hysterical. You need to make the reservation today for next year. Okay, so, well, it turns out you can't make it till the day after Thanksgiving, but I learned this because, yeah, this was a little humiliating. But anyway, so I call, and they have a recording that's like, No, no, she called me. Well, I called you, and then I called them, and they were like, there's a record, or there's a recording, they were like, we're booked through the end of the year. Our reservations for next year's Thanksgiving open the day after Thanksgiving this year. And I was like, what? But in my defense, Liz's... Um, well, okay, so our creative director, Liz, is engaged, so I'm just going to call them her in-laws to be. They went um, to Angus Barn for Thanksgiving last year and right. got the reservation a week before. I found out how, although I don't know if I want to tell the secret. I probably wouldn't. Okay, just, so there are ways. Also, the I, turkey lounge is turkey first lounge, come, first, first, serve. Come, first yes. serve. That's how we—we've had our Christmas party yes. at the Angus Barn in the turkey lounge on a Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon for the last three years. I know. I'm really it, hopeful. It always creates again. quite a bit of stress because I'm the one who obviously is responsible for making sure we have that table and <laughs> that we get a good one and that it can accommodate all of us. So I go and basically camp out from about 10 a.m. until they open the doors at two, just to ensure that I'm in the top five in in the door. Yeah, but it's worth it. And you know, it we've we've both had big occasions there. Well, I think what's so special about the Turkey Lounge is you know if you haven't been, please go. But they do have some traditional tables in there, using the word traditional lightly, but they also have a lot of, like, banquets so that you're sitting around, you know, um, these these couches and chairs, and there's a fireplace. And it's, it very much feels like you're at home, but you're not. Right. You also feel like you're in a sophisticated restaurant. So that's really cool. But it is, like you mentioned, a place that I'll— Anybody who's been in Raleigh for any significant amount of time has probably had a big celebration here. Mm-hmm. So beyond our Christmas party, I had my sweet 16 there. I took and, my son when he turned 21 last January. Yes. High school graduation took my daughter. Um, I have friends get engaged there. So, I mean, there's there's just a lot of memories think about there. It. I don't even eat red meat. So it's <laughs> what I'm saying is I that, know. and it's still the special place. And it's just because it's a part of the fabric of our city. Um, and has been for so many years. And Van is just an extraordinary human being. Yeah. Extraordinary human being. I mean, it's Angus Barnes, so Angus is in the name, but you really can't snuff at any of the food there. No. I mean, you don't have to, like, seafood, like, to yeah. go. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I don't need a hamburger. Don't worry. I don't yeah. embarrass anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and we struggled a little bit with this story because there are three, and we're very careful to say locally owned. Because we've had, we have some wonderful steakhouses that have opened that I always say is that five-letter dirty word, not four-letter, di- five-letter dirty word, chain. And the only reason we're not being critical of that, it's just that we love locally owned restaurants and bars, and we try to support those as much as, much as possible. But, I mean, Ruth Chris was the first and has been here the longest, and it's currently closed at North Hills, but it's going to reopen. And from what I understand, will be the absolutely most beautiful Ruth Chris Steakhouse in the country when they finish it. I'm so excited for that to open. We definitely, I want to follow up with that, do do more. I know it's all out, but like, I want to. And you have more experience with Sullivan's than I do. Yeah, so I, f- I feel like beyond Ruth Chris, Sullivan's is really leading the charge here. In my memory, at least, it was one of the first major players on Glenwood South. And really, you know, we've talked a lot about 42nd Street on this podcast and how it has this draw of, like, government players and certain certain personalities in town. And I think Sullivan's added that to the scene as well. Like, it was known for people 
like in the government or whatever, kind of going there after work. It was also just a very big happy hour place for a city that doesn't have ha- official happy hour. They had live jazz, you know, and it was, it was, it was, gave, it's, also, it's also the only fine dining that right. was on Glenwood South for yeah. a long time till Vidrio and Rockford and a few other things came along. Yeah, because was, Angus Barn, all the other threes that we named were in North Raleigh. Angus yes. Barn, you know, is out toward the airport and, um, you know, the other ones we named where they are. So you're taking something that everybody had to be in one part of Raleigh for and bringing it downtown. Right. Um, so that was really cool. And I mean, it definitely became its own celebratory spot where people started wanting to go there for big events too. I think Sullivan's, you know, Maybe they all feel this way, but to me, Sullivan's feels like the big business one. Oh, absolutely. And I and I think the same thing. When Capitol Grill, I had just launched yeah. Raleigh Magazine when Capitol Grill was coming to North Hills. And they did a big RFP and they were they they looked at all the magazines in the market and and tried to pick which one they should thought matched up best with who they wanted to reach. And of course they chose Raleigh Magazine to advertise in and launch their um restaurant with but that was a big deal that was a really big deal for north hills to get that caliber of steakhouse i think to come here oh absolutely like capitol grill was probably the first one besides ruth's chris no offense to sullivan's but i i was familiar with from traveling right so when we got that it was such a big deal and now this is doing the same thing sullivan's did because now you're going into midtown so you're kind of bringing steak to different parts of the city, like like fine steak right. dining. Well, and Perry's has only been open, and I'm not going to get this right, two or three years. And that is a yeah, beautiful right. restaurant. I mean, it sits right there beside Crabtree, right, Crabtree, right on the corner of Creedmoor and uh, 70. Yeah. And it has roll-up doors. The bar is just gorgeous. And— Again, a totally different experience. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not that far from Peddler. And I actually live in that part of Raleigh and Northwest Raleigh. And it still felt like this amazing thing was happening. Like we're getting a nice steakhouse across from Crabtree. Yeah. Um, And so it really is just adding them all. And then I think both of us really love this one that's newer on the scene, um, the Oak. You know, I think now that I have been to Steve, um, Steve Palmer, owner of Indigo Road, um, restaurants, and they own Oak, Oku, Coletta. There's something about their restaurants. I get they're technically, they fall in that chain, but such as they only do a small number of each of those restaurants. But the service, um, the personalities, they do an incredible job. The food is delicious um, and there's a wide variety of things if you're not a, a red meat eater. But I mean, I think it just you know, it brings something, a different level of service in some ways to Raleigh. Yeah, I mean, when we dine there, one of the times we dine there and talking to the um, staff, some of them had been in in the steakhouse industry for 20 years um, as in management uh, or on the floor, in the kitchen, whatever the case may be. And so that sort of also sparked our interest because there was something very unique about steakhouses that they stayed in this very specific pocket and they had deep knowledge. And we, and we did talk to them. You should pick up and read the story. Uh, we got their perspective. And I think the chain thing is interesting, too, because we talked about this and it's become this kind of internal debate about how we want to define these things. Because when you hear the word chain, to me, you think of like Applebee's and yes, make the face Gina's making that no one can see but me. <laughs> um, and I like notoriously will not go to chains. Like my friends are like, oh, my God. And so, but I will go to Oak. I will go to Oku. Uh, Oku is one of my favorite restaurants. And like Sullivan's, Capital Grill, these are phenomenal restaurants. And so there's something different, you know, like you said, Steve Palmer, he doesn't open a lot of them. 
and also he's very, very careful about right. where he chooses to open and how he chooses to do that. So very we need another word. Yeah. yeah, we do. We need another word. But yeah, I think all of this has made me hungry. I didn't eat lunch before we were taping, so oh, now it's getting worse. <laughs> well, luckily, right. I have a steak for dinner, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> ah, ra- a few rapid-fire questions. We both like Angus Barn. That's given. So what's your favorite place to sit in the barn for dinner? So my favorite place to sit in the barn is like the back left corner of the turkey lounge where there's a banquet and I think, uh, well, two banquets and two oversized chairs and there's a TV in view because like to go in the fall and there's football on. So, and there's a fireplace back there, right? Am mm-hmm. I imagining that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I like the meat locker. I've only done it a couple of times and it's fun. I mean, obviously I have to have dirty hair and be in that kind of mood because <laughs> the, the cigar smoke, I'm going to have to go home and leave my clothes in the garage. But <laughs> it's such a fun experience and it's usually a very fun crowd that's in there. Well, I didn't know. I have to add though, I didn't know until last year about the fire pit. Uh, speaking oh, yeah. of cigar smoke. So a lot of people go, they buy the cigars they got there and smoke them. And yeah, same thing. You're going to go home wanting to change clothes. But it, it was such a unique experience sitting out there. So of the other um, sort of chain, <laughs> in quotation marks, restaurants, um, which is which one is your favorite of those? Steakhouses. So I think long running Sullivan's, but I think the Oak is definitely giving them a run for their money. It's yeah. very good. I really, I like the oak. And I, again, I'm, I say it all the time. I'm not the foodie that most of other people are. I am much more about atmosphere and service and their service is phenomenal. Okay. So I have to ask, what do you typically order when you go to a steakhouse? I usually order the filet mignon, but it's, what's funny about that is I hate bacon. So oh my God, I, who hates bacon? Is that even possible? Is, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You hate bacon? Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, I mean, I get somebody who can't eat pork or whatever, but you <laughs> no, I don't like pork. I but hate you bacon. don't like bacon. I've always hated bacon. I don't mind bacon flavor though. Hints. I love the filet mignon. I love the cut, and then I take the bacon off. I usually oh give God. it to whoever's with me I that knew loves you were bacon. Weird. <laughs> I knew. What you know, you I am. Um, okay, so most of the time I eat so much of the cheese and crackers at Angus Barn. It's a joke for me to order anything else, but I usually order. Lobster or crab legs or something oh. seafood yeah. is usually my go-to. That's good. I like how a lot of those steakhouses have like the steak and crab, even though. But you can like you could share. You're gonna make fun of me for saying sharing. I'm not now, sharing. Yes. <laughs> Go eat steak. This has been Office Talk with Raleigh Magazine. I hope after hanging out with us, you feel more like a Raleigh insider. You can find copies of our magazine around town or subscribe for $10 for 10 issues. We'd love it if you gave this podcast a rating and review and share it with your friends. This podcast was edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Gina Stevens. We'll see you again soon. Want more of Raleigh Magazine in between issues? Visit RaleighMag.com and subscribe to our newsletters. They come out Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Five-minute read keeps you up to date. And especially on Friday, dish on this, where to eat, where to drink, what to do this weekend. Subscribe for free at RaleighMag.com.